Grassland Podcast. I'm Andrew McGregor, and with each installation in this podcast, we're going to explore the world of spirituality, what it means to be alive, and how is it that we can bring our spiritual selves, tarot, meditation, religious or spiritual practices into our daily lives. You can certainly check out all the previous episodes of this podcast at thehermitslamp.com slash podcasts, or you can search The Hermit's Lamp in iTunes or Stitcher to find us and get them there. So welcome to the next installment of The Hermit's Lamp podcast. I am here with my good friend, James Wells, and you know we've done all sorts of fun stuff together. Um, we have a whole podcast that we did a bunch of episodes of, and you know, we, we have a current uh, thing we're doing where we go through the Trump's card by card and, and all this kind of fun stuff. And today we're not going to talk about tarot. Today we're going to have a conversation. <laughs> well, exactly. Maybe, you know, maybe we won't be able to help ourselves. But, uh, but today we're going to talk about uh, some of the other stuff that's going on spiritually um, that has to do with receiving messages and connecting and being tuned in. So, you know, I wanted to talk with James today and share what's going on with dreaming. What, what about how our dreams are working? How do we access them? What can we learn from our dreams? Uh, as well as how do we connect with the earth and connect with uh, the consciousness of those bigger beings or bigger systems, which we are enmeshed in a part of? Hmm. Well, this is going to be a, a great conversation uh, because I belonged for seven and a half years to a community in Toronto when I was living in Toronto still. And this community was a circle that was all about looking at the world and how we might heal the world and heal ourselves simultaneously. And a good chunk of what we did was through dreams. And we shared these dreams in council with one another, really respectfully listening to the dreams that came from and through people. And our focus in that setting, in that context, was not so much analyzing the dream on behalf of a person as an individual, but rather what if the dream were the earth dreaming through us? Or what if our culture were dreaming through us? Or what if something larger were dreaming through us? And approaching each dream and ceremonializing the dream from that perspective. And so um, it was a really rich and beautiful process. I, I loved that group. Um, and we, we stopped meeting in that form after several of us had been facilitating it, co-facilitating it about 10 of us, 11 of us, for the seven and a half years. And it was time for us just to take all that we had learned from that uh, that circle out into the world in different ways. But I'd like to give an example from, from one of my own dreams that I shared with that group. And in that particular dream, there was a mother white wolf. And this mother white wolf was lying on the ground, wounded, a gaping, bleeding hole in her body. And her, she had one cub, and the cub was slightly beside her. And the ground was kind of stony, and there were trees around. 
and gray clouds, and we were close to the ocean in the dream. And not long into the dream, an orca, so-called killer whale, but I prefer orca, came out of the ocean and onto the land and began to sing into the wolf's body. And so there was the sound coming from the orca, at first just from the orca's mouth, but then it just seemed like the sound was emanating from the or the entire body of this beautiful whale. And the sound was being directed into the body of the, the wounded white wolf. And bit by bit, as the sound increased and the pulsation increased in the dream, the wound closed and the blood disappeared. And the wolf, mother wolf, was able to stand up again and be with her cub. And the orca and the cub and the mother wolf were able to celebrate together and move and sing with all the beings, the trees and the wind and the clouds and everything just started moving as if in celebration of the healing that had just taken place. And so I took that dream to this community. And the most extraordinary thing grew out of it. After I described the dream, they asked me to repeat it, and I did. And as I repeated it, people started getting into the center of the circle spontaneously. And one woman put a white cloth on herself so she could be the white mother wolf. And she lay on the ground and began, she began to make the sounds of a wounded wolf. You know, the whimpering, the, the, the woundedness, the pain. And another one curled up beside her and began to be like the, the cub. And somebody else, who happened to be wearing black and white, <laughs> got up and began to swim around like the orca. And other people began to sway like trees and clouds. And so, and then this, the sounding started taking place. People started drumming and picking up rattles. So the, the rattles were like the waves of the sea, and the drums were the pulse of the, the heartbeat of Mother Earth coming through the whale. And then the person playing the whale began to chant wordless chanting into the body of the person lying there. And, and soon the whole room was engaged either in swaying and moving or drumming or rattling or wordless chanting. And it was really exquisite. And this lasted for a good, oh God, half hour, 45 minutes. And at the end of this spontaneous ritual, we then held council. We passed the talking stick around the circle so that people could articulate what emerged for them from that ritual encounter with the dream. And we learned more about that than, it, than we learned more about the potential messages of that dream through the enactment, through the embodiment, through the ritualizing than we did if we just sat around gabbing about it. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's my little introductory story about uh, some dream experiences. It's amazing. You know, I, what a wonderful group of people to be around that could sort of step into that space and just connect with it. You know, and I think that one of the things that I hear in that story, aside from the, the actual story itself, too, is the dreams require us to be open to them. You know, dreams require that we uh, step in without necessarily knowing ahead of time 
where they're going to take us. You know, and even though they had heard that story the first time, it's very different to hear a story and to enact uh, a, a dream or a ritual. You know, what comes out of it is so different. And, you know, so it's one of the things that I always find fascinating about um, about my relationship to dreaming and, and what I hear in this story is that we we don't get to know and we, we are always kind of maybe even unfolding deeper and deeper and deeper levels of it. But we've still got to get up and dance. Hold on for one second. Sorry. So uh, I cut out the uh, the person who just entered the store. Um, I had not locked the door, uh, as I usually do when I'm here podcasting. And uh, somebody came in because they were moving into a new house. And uh, there was negativity where they were or where they were going or both. It was a little unclear. Um, and so I, I hooked them up with some stuff to uh, cleanse their their situation with and in doing so, completely derailed the line of conversation and the energy which was starting to mount. Um, but I, I wonder if we can interpret this as a as a sign, as a synchronous event in our conversation. You know, what what might need to be cleansed, or what might need to be uh, secured, or, or or whatever else comes to mind around that interruption. Hmm. Well, it's interesting. Uh, several years ago, I did a workshop with Mary Greer, who's renowned mostly for her work with the tarot. But she also does this very fascinating and very enlightening workshop called Life as a Waking Dream, in which you take life events and treat it as a dream and, and work with it as a dream. And, um, and something that I got from somewhere else, and I forget where, many years ago, I think a Jungian analyst I knew many years ago, um, often takes the first sentence of the dream that was described and the last sentence of the dream that was described and um, and sees that as the energy of the psyche or the situation where it currently is at the beginning of the dream and where it wants to go as the last sentence of the dream or where it's most likely headed based on who a person is at the time. And I was aware that the first sentence about that interruption uh, was a person moving into a new house. And the last sentence you spoke around that was about derailing the energy of the conversation. So I'm wondering if the energy of this conversation that we're having begins with us moving into new territory together in, in talking about dreams, in talking about stuff other than what we talk about in our tarot podcasts together, you know, sitting there talking about interpretations and, and tarot symbols and it's Trump number, this or that. And if we do it in a reading, it's this or that. So there's our usual house, mm -hmm. so to speak. And by this, by doing this podcast, this conversation together, we're moving into a new house in this moment. Mm -hmm. And there's something about derailing the energy of the conversation. And I'm wondering and derailing is not necessarily a bad thing. You know, quite often when I'm working with clients, um, bringing tarot into it, into the picture for a moment, I, I, I feel that my job is to derail people from their usual experiences or to help them derail themselves from their, their habitual pattern. So the energy of this conversation is moving 
potentially towards a derailing of, of the usual conversation of the way that people usually think and talk about something. Mm-hmm. That's what I, that's what I hear. In yeah, for sure. And, uh, the other thing that was there was the incense that I sold this person to, uh, make their house be what they wanted. Right. Um, and I, I just picked it up and handed it to them to smell. And they were like, yes, that's the one. And I was like, good. Uh, the name of it is empowerment. Right. And so, you know, th- this is the, with dreams, they're often derailing, unsettling, right? They, they can be, uh, they can redirect us to where our attention needs to be or to where we might need to go. Yes. And we can also make choices around those dream symbols. You know, I don't, I don't believe that, you know, like any symbolic system or tool, I don't think that this is about fatalism. I think it's, it's about awareness. And I think a dream can bring awareness and make us, make us conscious of choices and options that exist within us and around us. And so, uh, it brings in the, the title of the incense that you, you sold the person, which is empowerment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and I think that it's one of those things that's interesting about dreams. I, I often run into people, you know, because I'm, running the store where they are, um, you know, do you have a dream dictionary? You know, what does this symbol mean? And, and for me, it's so nuanced and personal, you know, I could have in your dream, you know, if we were sitting and talking about, you know, your life with the wolf and the orca and and all these things, you know, we, we could have approached it in many ways. Uh, you know, what part of you is, is a wounded wolf? What part of you is wounded? What does the wounds relate to, right? How does singing relate to your life? You know, and, and we could make it very personal, but if yes. we go to these dream dictionaries, then we're going to get these sort of pat lines of, you know, this equals that, which might be fruitful, but also might be, um, missing the mystery of it. Yes. Um, I think that, um, <clears throat> I think you bring up a very good point that you know, these these pat answer dream dictionaries are are not usually helpful. Um, you know, they might provide a clue if we get stuck, but I think it really behooves us to dialogue with the dream itself, to dialogue with the image, the character, the event itself. Um, I remember uh, Marion Woodman, the Jungian analyst who lives in London, Ontario, uh, saying more than one time. The minute you say, I know exactly what that dream means, you killed it. Mm. You killed it. And so I like to think of a dream as something to unpack, to explore, to inquire, to ask questions of, to embody, to ritualize, as you heard, to wonder about, to create relationship with rather than sitting there and analyzing the hell out of it or interpreting it or or putting a fixed packed meaning onto it that could be helpful in certain situations um if you need some kind of answer in your life and that said i think we need to go beyond the answer we get and and wonder how we might live the dream or if indeed we need to live the dream or is it something that i'm lacking in my outer life that perhaps I could then add to my outer life by creating a, a real-world version of what's going on in the dream in a healthy way. And I'm not talking about 
I'm not talking about enacting a dream so literally that we get lost and, and can't function in our, our real life. There's a danger in that, too. Um, you know, for instance, if, if somebody dreams of, you know, I don't know, burning down their neighbor's house or something, you know, I'm not encouraging people to get a big can of gasoline and burn down their neighbor's house and be literal about it. But mm -hmm. you know, what, what, what is the neighbor's house for them? You know, is, is, for, for, for many people, um, I know many Jungian analysts talk about the house as a symbol of, of the person, you know, the, the, the place wherein their spirit dwells, the body, the, <clears throat> the whole person. And so, you know, what, what qualities might they perceive in the neighbor that is in themselves that they need to burn down? Or, you know, so, so really turning these things into questions. I, I think turning the dream symbols into questions and living with the questions can be a very helpful thing as well as uh, finding a way to honor the dream in real life in a healthy, life-giving kind of way, mm -hmm. um, if indeed we need to do that. And maybe that can be as simple as jotting the dream down in the journal. That could be enough. Or, or making a sketch of, a, of something from the dream, or making a little altar or shrine to a character or, or a series of events in the dream, or you know, molding clay with our hands. Um, not even necessarily into the shape of something in the dream, but just letting the feeling of the dream come through our hands and, and squeeze that clay until it, we feel like that energy is completely out of our hands and is now in the clay and, and just know, and then spending time with the clay and journaling about that and on and on and on and on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that the idea of making sure that we bring it into the world, if that's what we feel is required is going to actually take steps in the world as well. You know, there, I've received lots of dreams and had many dreams about um, ceremonies that I've later gone through and wisdom or, or tools that I've later studied. And, you know, there's always this sort of danger with the dream life where people will take it too literally, you know. And, and so, you know, I've known people who, who said, I didn't need to study cards. I had a dream where I learned everything that I need to know. And... That person may or may not be a really great intuitive reader, but I've never met anybody who said something like that, who has then turned around and been able to pass concrete knowledge about things. It's not to say that the spirit isn't pointing them at that or giving them intuitive access or other things, but where, you know, it's like, it's like if I dreamt about receiving a textbook on calculus, but woke up the next day and was unable to do calculus. I got to go learn if that's what I, if that's what I'm pointed towards, right. Or, you know, or how to engin engineer a span bridge or how to, you know, these other things. There are, there are s s concrete specific things in the world that have information that we might need to access to fully embody our dreams. Right. Yes, absolutely. Um, just going riding on that, you know, maybe, maybe there is, an invitation to learn something about calculus or or something mathematical or something that, that involves some sense of order or, or or head knowledge you know maybe it's something that we're lacking certainly I'm lacking that uh, but, uh, <clears throat> but but then again we don't have to take it literally I mean why spend all the money taking a calculus course you know there, there what does this kind of thing represent I mean for some people the idea of calculus might think Oh, it's this impenetrable mystery that 
belongs in an ivory tower and I will never access this. And, and you know, so what else might that be pointing to for a person or what it might it be pointing to in a household or a community mm-hmm. for that matter? We take it beyond the individual again. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think that the question of what we're going to do with it is an important aspect, right? What, what, who was this dream for? Right. Mm-hmm. Was it, was it for me? Was it for the world? Was it for the community? You know, was it, is it, even though it might be about somebody else, you know, is it actually even for them or is it just solely for me? Yeah. I, I often have a sense, um, in my body, if a dream is solely for myself or whether it's for uh, another person and me or for another group and me or for the world at, at large, um, in that particular community I talked about at the beginning of our conversation, I was known as a community dreamer, um, and not the only one. There were there were several people in the group who were regular community dreamers, and and so we paid heed. We had our ways of knowing. Okay, this one is for more than me, so I need to take it to that particular group, mm-hmm. and, and it needs to be unpacked and and uh, and listened to in that context as well. I think um, you know some some helpful questions we can ask ourselves um, is what is the dream asking for? You know, as if, and then hold a conversation with, with the dream to say, what are you asking for? What what do you want of me? We can also say, um, ask ourselves why, why might our soul or the soul of the world for that matter need to send us this dream right now at this time? You know, for what reason, did my soul deliver this to me or did the soul of the world deliver this to me? We can ask ourselves, you know, if this dream were a question, what would it be asking? Something like that. Mm-hmm. And I would also apply these questions to, to cards or any other symbolic tool, an astrological chart, uh, um, an event in a ceremony, whatever. For sure. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, the other day I was leaving my house and, um, there was, uh, I saw a woodpecker in the tree. I was like, oh, don't see those around here that often, you know, sometimes, but not a lot. And then there was a second one. I was like, oh, I don't think I've ever seen two of these things together. And so I, I stopped and I just stood there watching for a while. And, uh, and they were, they were making their song. And, and I slipped out of waking consciousness and into, dream consciousness in that moment you know and it became this moment where everything for for that time whatever it was it seemed like forever you know as i i stood there on the sidewalk by the dog park with i you know vaguely aware that other people were walking around and i was just standing there looking up into this tree watching it right and uh and then the song ended and everything was done and back we came to you know regular regular attention right and um you know the the question of what does that mean right what is the significance of that is is something i think that's really important to ask right why did that symbol come at that time how did it relate to other things you know and and i often dream of birds and you know spend time in the woods you know, there's a spot I like to go and sit where where there's often a lot of red-winged blackbirds and other birds come. 
And, you know, that connection to those places um, feeds back and forth against across the, the dream space for me and creates those uh, a cue, a symbol to wake up to the dreaming world in those moments, you know, and not every bird. I mean, I see pigeons all the time, right? You know, and it's not that I don't appreciate a pigeon as well, but, um, you know, but, but everywhere I turn around there, they are right. Um, you know, same with sparrows, same with other things, right? It, it takes something bigger and deeper. And I, I think that that sense of knowing or that sense of feeling like what you describe with your body now is a moment to wake up to the dream of the earth or now is a moment to dream, wake up to this dream of nature. Now is a moment that this dream requires me to move into the world more with it um, or f to dig into it more for myself. Hmm. And, you know, birds are often, have often in, in cultures of old been seen as, as messengers between the divine beings and, and human beings. And so I, I like that you have your, your woodpeckers and, and sparrows and everybody coming in to speak with you. Uh, I had a, I may have told this story in one of our other podcasts, but I'm going to tell it in this one. Um, I was doing a, a tarot consultation with a client outdoors one time at a picnic table, and we were using the Gaian Tarot by Joanna Colbert, and the, the priestess in that deck is, is the card we were discussing, and you know, a lot of black and white clothing and holding out this red pomegranate. And at the moment, we, we seemed to hit upon a really core nugget of, of truth for this person. Um, a woodpecker started hammering quite noticeably in the tree right above us, mm -hmm. right above the table. And, uh, and it, you know, a redhead and black and white body. It looked very much like the colors in the priestess card. And, and we both took that as extra confirmation that what we had just talked about with regard to that card was certainly worth paying attention to and was probably the crooks of the whole session. So good to pay attention to those things. You know, that, that certainly anything that comes into any session, whether it's a dream exploration session, a psychotherapy session, a tarot session, uh, uh, whatever, I think is fair game um, for relating to and, and, and querying about things, mm -hmm. you know, they become, they become another character in the experience. And you, you talked very much about, uh, you, you alluded to, or started to talk about, um, dreaming about the earth or about nature. And that certainly is something that was encouraged in that group I belong to. And, and there were some harrowing dreams that came into that group, some, very painful things that came into that group. And I can't speak of everybody's specifics because the seal of counsel doesn't permit me to, to speak of other people's private images and dreams and experiences that were shared in counsel. But we did have some very frightening things brought in about, you know, disasters and, and rescues and, and, um, uh, the earth rebelling against humanity and and other natural beings rebelling against humanity and and vice versa and some some horrible things that we were doing to the earth in these dreams and they were real wake up calls we and then and then we had to try and really hash out what can we do with this stuff mm. what what are we being asked to do here what 
what's the constructive piece in this in this horror story? You know, it wasn't all you know, tweet tweet Twitter Twitter, um, and you know, like the little cartoon idyllic cartoon cartoon scenes of nature with little butterflies floating through and everything. Yeah, sometimes it was that, and and that was beautiful, and and we had to try and find the the beauty in the horror, and and that's not easy. Um, one of our mentors in this group was D uh, Dina Metzger, who is a, a fantastic poet and author, as well as a medicine woman and holder of counsel. And she's in Topanga, California, and did a couple of retreats with her with this group. And and Dina's uh, take is certainly to listen for the voice of the of the more than human in any of the dreams, and to bring. And the dreams are one way of bringing the more than human voice and voices into counsel with us so that they too can be heard. The voice of the wolf, the voice of the orca, the voice of the, the bristle cone pine, the voice of the stone, the voice of the ocean with miles of plastic floating in it, uh, whatever. And, and to, to give it, to give it a voice, to let it be heard somehow. And then where, where is that going on also in our own bodies and in our own psyches? And, how might healing a bit of that in ourselves heal something in the body of, of Earth? And how might doing something on behalf of that piece of the body of Earth do heal something in our own body and psyche? Um, I, I think of um, something I was called to do many years ago when I, I lived in Cabbage Town in Toronto, uh, not far from Riverdale Farm, a very beautiful spot in Toronto. And... There was a path that I walked that went beside, it was part of the farm, and it went down the hill and toward the pond that I loved, and lots of uh, painted turtles and, and lots of lovely beings like that. And I became aware at one point, oh, here's the odd bit of plastic or a paper wrapper or a cigarette butt or something along that path. And it was beautiful. It was, it was almost like a cathedral of trees and stones as you wandered down the hill. And um, I remember having a dream about that, and it was reiterated with the tarot the next day when I kind of wanted to solidify what am I to do with this dream. And so I held counsel with the dream on my own, and, and it was around a time I had a really bad skin rash uh, on my arms and, and on my on my thighs, and and I wasn't sure what the hell this was about. And then I had this dream in which I was doing something in this pathway. I was in this pathway by Riverdale Farm, and because I had asked before going to sleep, what can I do about this skin thing? You know, I tried a cream that the doctor gave me and all that, and that didn't work. And so my sense from both the dream and the, the tarot exploration and counsel I held in my journal with the dream characters was that I was to go... To that place that nourished me so much, that pathway, that that cathedral of trees, as it were, uh, once every, at least once a month, and I think I made it a little more often than that, with a a, a garbage bag and a and a pair of gardening gloves, and just go and pick up the paper wrappers and the plastic pieces and the cigarette butts and so forth, and and I started doing that, and within three days of the first time I did that, the rash disappeared. Hmm. For the first time in at least a couple of months and so there was something in that 
something in my psyche knew that by taking care of something on the surface, the skin, you know, the, the top of the earth, the top surface of the earth, something in me would respond, something on the surface of my skin, something on, on, on my surface uh, would, would change and, and be, be cleansed, be cleaned, be, be less polluted. And, and so that was a very powerful moment for me. And, uh, and, and I've told that story a couple of times to groups who are wondering, what's the point in, in all this earth dreaming stuff and all this stuff about wondering if the earth is dreaming to you? And, and I, I, think, I think the point is that the, the interconnectedness. You know, I, think it's, I think his name is um, Steven Eisenstadt. He's a psychologist in the States. California, I think. Don't quote me on that. But he also, besides the personal unconscious and the collective unconscious of humanity, Eisenstadt also talks about the earth herself having an unconscious mind and being capable of dreaming through us. If you, if you look in a collection of, um, of writings by Theodore Rojak and, and company on echo psychology, I think you'll see something that Eisenstadt has written in there about, about this world unconscious and, and world soul dreaming through us. And, and I think bringing this back to the story about the skin and, and the cleaning up of the path, I think it, 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 it really behooves us to pay attention to interconnection, to interconnectedness, what Thich Nhat Hanh would call interbeing. Nothing is separated. And, and I, that, that moment for me, three days or so after ritualizing the dream, uh, Brought that home to me. I've never forgotten that. Hmm. Well, I think that this is, you know, we we run around life, right? You know, I mean, like, I, I run around. I, I schlep my kids to school. I get on the subway. I come to work, you know. And, and we're often so busy that it's hard to um, find the attention or set aside time for the intention to make these connections. And yet... It's everywhere. It's everywhere all the time, you know. And of course, my experience of like, you know, the time I went and lived in the woods by myself for 10 days and fasted and didn't didn't see another human being the whole time. And, you know, spent spent time talking to the birds and the, you know, the, the beavers at the dam and, and all the other beings that I met. Well, of course, that is easier in one sense to connect, you know, the, the, the hustle and bustle retreats. And it becomes easier to hear. But at the same time, just like these woodpeckers or that I saw the other day or, you know, other things that are around, there's life everywhere all the time. And if we are open, we can find it and listen to it and be attentive to it. And if we, you know, much like my approach to raising the kids is if we can take a moment to stop because, well, what else are we really trying to do with our life other than connect? you know, to, to, our, to my kids, to the world, to nature, to other people, um, all sorts of magic transpires in those exchanges, whether it is, you know, uh, some elderly person who wants to tell me about something on the bus or whether it's, you know, the song of the birds or the, the movement of the ants on the sidewalk or, or any of these things, there, there is an interplay and an exchange that is available to us all the time when we start to pay attention. Mm -hmm. 
um, like one of the members of that group, uh, that community I was part of, said one time, and this is okay to share outside of council because it's general wisdom, she blurted out one time, our connection is the healing. Mm. Our connection is the healing. And just the way she delivered that never left me, and it's still with me. Um, you know, people often ask, well, how do I heal? Whether it's just something psychological, emotional, physical. I think the connectedness does heal, knowing we're not alone, knowing that it's not just us, whether that's through hearing somebody else's story of pain and healing, whether that is through having our story listened to and witnessed, not necessarily interpreted or fixed, but listened to and witnessed by the touch of a hand, by the smell of a pine tree, whatever. We're, we're, the song of a, a bird, the, the pecking of a woodpecker, whatever it happens to be, I am reminded that I am not alone, and I find that very reassuring. And even if I'm alone in the woods or in the park or by the river, I'm not alone. There's this whole ecosystem, and I'm part of it. And that is that is the healing. That connection, our connection is the healing. That just has rung in my ears for the years, all these years now. Mm -hmm. And I think part of, part of the thing around the healing, now that I bring it into the conversation, is that healing is not necessarily fixing. Healing is not necessarily curing in the way that we are often told or in the way that it is often modeled in the dominant culture or in the, the consensus culture, consensus reality. Um, to be healed or to experience healing is to experience wholeness. And for me, wholeness is the whole. It is the entirety, which includes the stuff we don't necessarily like, the stuff we don't necessarily find comfortable. And I'm not saying I've got this perfected or down pat in my own life. You know, my life's got its, its, its less than stellar moments, and I'm still learning to accept some of those, and, and that's okay. But that's the healing process, I think, is at least the willingness to accept and embrace the everything within ourselves and within our culture and within our environment, even if we don't like it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's all. Um, my friend of mine, Alan, who's a, who's a shaman, uh, you know, says that uh, sometimes sometimes we can heal the body. Sometimes we have to heal the being so that it is elevated to a level where the problem doesn't bother it so much anymore. doesn't mean that it's gone, you know. I mean, uh, you know, the person, the person who requires a, a cane to walk, you know, it doesn't mean that it's gone necessarily, but it might mean that they no longer bothers them, you know, and that sort of that acceptance, right? You know, and, and acceptance is also, at least for me, one of the biggest things that I see about how do we access these deeper levels, uh, this this uh, eco-consciousness or this collective unconsciousness of these other levels of dreaming is we have to accept both within ourselves and within and without in the world um, the the imperfections, the humanity. We need to accept that we might witness, as you were saying about uh, the dreams, uh, difficult things, you know. Uh, it requires that we be open to seeing things as they are and then moving forward with that and coming to terms. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that, that in addition to that phrase from my friend, our connection is the healing, I think we can also extend that to say the acceptance is the healing as well. Um, and acceptance is not the same as tolerance. You know, I get really eoed at the word tolerance, actually. You know, there are many well-meaning people who use the word tolerance in our world. You know, as a gay man, I find it offensive when someone says, oh, this is a, a gay tolerant place. So I don't want to be tolerated. I want my full personhood accepted as is. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that's part of it, too, uh, amongst other things. <clears throat> I don't want women's rights to be tolerated. I want them to be the norm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, what I what I want is for human beings and human connection to be celebrated. And okay. if you don't like a given individual, well, that's cool. Don't hang out with them. But it, it doesn't really sort of conditionally or um, partially you know, saying, well, well, we'll grudgingly give you this. That's not really the same thing at all, right? Yeah. And that brings us back to dreams. I really feel that the psyche is always bringing us back to wholeness. The psyche is always bringing itself back to wholeness, even if the psychological event isn't pretty. You know, just as nature isn't always pretty, there are tornadoes, there are earthquakes, there are hurricanes, there are tsunamis. Earth is just bringing herself back into balance, and I think the psyche is always bringing itself back into balance. So whether somebody has some kind of episode that another person finds uncomfortable, that in its own way is the psyche trying to bring itself back into balance and harmony. Um, a nightmare is something that is trying to bring us back into balance and harmony. It is, it is pointing to an extreme in some way. It is giving us an extreme experience. So whether we're, we find ourselves smack dab in the middle of a tornado or we find ourselves smack dab in the middle of a nightmare, there is something to which we are being called that is, I think, very powerful and very extreme. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think learning to sit with the discomfort of it is, is also very, very helpful. You know, my uh, friend of mine. I uh, used to do a lot of peer counseling with one of his favorite phrases was who says life has to be comfortable, <laughs> you know, and it's not that we don't want it to be comfortable, but, uh, growth, wisdom, you know, whatever we want to kind of call that accessing the dream space. It's not always going to be comfortable, right? It's not, our, yeah. you know, our, our bodies aren't always comfortable, you know, we sleep funny and we have a, a discomfort or what have you, right? Uh, and learning to accept and listen to those discomforts is what allows for deeper levels of harmony. Yeah, and I, like my one of my mentors, Christina Baldwin, says the purpose of life is not to be comfortable, it's to grow the soul. Mm. Mm. And I just, I don't know, I just feel like I need to sit with that for a moment. <laughs> mm -hmm, absolutely. Not to be comfortable, but rather to grow the soul. And it brings, sitting with that for a second just brought to mind one of my own things that I'm always trying to bring into balance in myself. And that comes in the dreams that, that come through me. It comes in the, the tarot spreads that I do with and for myself. It comes in the 
council conversations that I have with peers and other things, and that is my own perceived split between comfort creature self and earth-loving self. I mean, just because I'm able to talk about, yes, we, we are part of an ecosystem, our body's an ecosystem, and it's mirroring the, an ecosystem in which we dwell, et cetera, et cetera, doesn't mean I've got this thing down pat. I'm a 21st century living person. Um, I live in a, a house of brick and glass and you know, I've got a dining table, we've got a dishwasher in the house, we've got a refrigerator in the house, we've got flush toilets, uh, electric lighting, and so forth. It's not like I've... I, I'm a comfort creature, and I love the earth. And and part of my own journey, and, and many of the dreams I've had of reflective this, etc., is, <clears throat> is holding both of these and more pieces of myself in one place. Holding both of them. And I think that's an important piece whenever we're addressing dreams or any kind of symbolic work or healing work is the holding of, of perceived opposites. And that to me is the, the, the place where healing can take place. Um, Robert Johnson, another Jungian analyst, I think probably in his early 90s by now, um, has a wonderful book called Owning Your Own Shadow. And and he talks about sainthood in that book. And sainthood, or achieving a state of holiness, so holiness and wholeness come from the same root. Achieving that state of wholeness or holiness is being in the mandala, the place where the two circles overlap. So you've got circle A, which in my case might be comfort creature self, circle B over here with earth-loving self, and they come together more closely, and they come closer and closer and closer until a part of each, until they overlap each other. And that almond-shaped meeting place, the mandala, is the place of healing, where the both end can exist, where the where paradox can be held. You know, Marion Woodman talks about the three P's of the feminine, the the one of which is paradox, another which is process, another one which is presence. If we can be present with paradox, and if we can be present with process, rather than getting to the end result of what hap what, what's going to happen when circle A and circle B meet, if we can just stay in that, that almond-shaped space for a while, in the process of it, in the being with it, and holding it for a while, you know, some piece of comfort creature self in myself and some piece of, of earth-loving self in myself are, are, are going to reconcile with each other. They might not have it perfect, but it's like any relationship. There's a hell of a lot of work to go on. And there's a hell of a lot of dialogue to go on. And there's a lot of, a lot of being with and a lot of respectful requests from this aspect of self and that aspect of self. And I think that the core aspect remember the core thing to remember is not the opposite but rather the wholeness that unites them so there's the this there's the that and the other and the other which is the wholeness that unites them is what counts it's like the yin yang symbol you've got the the black section with a little white dot in it and you've got the white section with a little black dot in it what matters not so much in that symbol is which of those sections and which of those dots is important. It's the circle that unites them. 
and, and, and I think that's what I'm, I'm trying to get at with this, is that I don't have this perfected, but I'm learning to bring those perceived conflicting aspects of myself into dialogue with each other as often as possible so that I can, I can remember my, the circle, the full, the fullness of me is what counts here, the wholeness of me. And, I can, and so that healing process, um, through dreams and tarot and dialogue and everything else is, is, um, I don't know, but let's just, let's just say that's one, that's an example I want to give of the acceptance and the healing process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Dreams, dreams inviting us to transcend our positions and dualities or multiplicity towards an understanding of the unity of everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe we should leave it there. Go ahead. So then there's the, there's the interconnection again. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe we should leave it there for this conversation. Um, mm -hmm. Where would you like people to come and hang out with you? They can find me at uh, jameswells.wordpress.com or they can email me at circleways.james at gmail.com. And I'm, I'm always happy to hold a conversation with people around what we've talked about today or, or any other aspect of life and work. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Well, nice to have this more formal conversation amongst our, our more casual conversations. Thank you for inviting me. Great to be part of it. Mm -hmm. So I really want to thank you for listening. Uh, I appreciate everybody's time and attention. And uh, wow, I'm kind of uh, amazed that uh, uh, some of these episodes have crossed 800 downloads. I'm, I'm honored that people are so excited. If you're looking for uh, other ways to uh, connect, may I suggest you might want to check out my week, uh, bi-weekly uh, newsletter. Uh, every other week, I write an article uh, about ideas from life that I'm seeing with clients or that I'm dealing with myself, and I include exercises around uh, using the cards to figure out how to overcome those obstacles. It's a, a great way to practice and um, Everybody's feedback on that is also pretty amazing. And honestly, I think it's some of the best writing that I do. Um, so you can check it out by going to thehermitslamp.com. And uh, right on the front page, you'll also get my free ebook, uh, Simply Learn Tarot, um, which uh, is something that people also seem to be digging. So thank you again. And uh, let me know if you have any questions, comments, or feedback. I love hearing from everybody.